Get about the curveball, Ricky. Give him a heater. Welcome to the Heater Podcast. I'm Dan Lewick. He's Corey Peeper. As we uh, take a look at the latest uh, uh, stats, stories uh, of the, the past week uh, within it, as we uh, have some, uh, there was some exciting uh, uh, blasts, whiffs, uh, and questions uh, that have come up in the, in the past week within us. So we'll take a look at those. We'll also go back into our uh, uh, the best crystal ball possible, the one that is 2020 vision. Uh, looking at uh, all those big off-season additions within it, uh, uh, how are they looking a, a third of the way, uh, nearing halfway through the season uh, within it? How are those signings looking? Still as confident in them as what happened, as well as the, the best bargain signing for hitter and pitcher. We'll look at all that here uh, coming up in this podcast. Uh, as always, the Heater Podcast is brought to you by River Creek Popcorn. For all of your snacking needs for baseball games and movies of choice, uh, and days of summer, come hungry, leave happy. Uh, it has been a cooler uh, summer this last uh, week within it, uh, in the 70s, uh, within it, lows in the 50s for at night. Uh, I've been enjoying that because I know eventually that heat's coming and it's going to stay uh, within it. So I've been enjoying this nice of uh, a relaxed start to summer. Just wish we had a little more rain. Yeah, it's a little dry around here. Uh, you have someone mow your lawn. I mow my lawn. I haven't done it in a few weeks, but... Yeah, the weather is fantastic in Wisconsin right now. This is perfect and took advantage of it. People were coming out to the popcorn wagon. I went to an event, kind of a last-minute event that I didn't plan to go to and Baraboo. So for those of you people that came, that was good to see you. I don't know if we'll do that one again or not. Maybe. We'll see. But otherwise, yeah, good good week of popcorn. We will be restocked this week. So if you need syrup or honey i will have that this week i ran out of honey and next week though if you need syrup or honey we'll have that and then the caramel kettle cheese i'm uh, making a big load because we have a massive wedding coming up here in the next couple weeks so i got to start thinking ahead to that so come out and get your popcorn now this year has been more of the uh you've been seeing more of those larger events graduations uh weddings stuff within that is that that seems like that's picked up a little more this year yep more of a catering service for some of these things there people once people start trying it and they uh Ask for more. So, yeah, if, if, you, if you you have an event coming up in the area and you're interested, just hit me up on Facebook, send it via Facebook Messenger, and we can get you a quote. But, yes, pop, we do big totes. hundred and I think it's 120 quarts is the size of the tote. So if you want a little smaller one, we have smaller ones too. You did a smaller one. So, yes, we can do totes too. Good stuff. Uh, speaking of good stuff, we'll talk about uh, uh, out of this world. Uh, we're, there's some more conversations on uh, – uh, uh, on uh, different things that different phenomenons that we can't explain in the uh, air or stuff within our videos or unidentified flying objects. There we go. That's the word I was looking for within it. Well, there's someone who definitely feels that he dropped off one of those, uh, and that's Shohei Otani. Uh, can, why don't you? You were telling me before we had started here. Can you tell me where where does Shohei Otani rank uh, on the Los Angeles Angels uh, in the all the different categories that are there for a hitter, for a pitcher? Who who leads the categories for the Los Angeles Angels? This is per the Sporting News, so I did not find this, but they put out an amazing tweet that showed that the current Angel team leader in runs is Shohei Otani. He also leads the team in hits, 
Home runs, walks, RBI, stolen bases, average on-base percentage, slugging, and OPS. But wait, hitters. there's more. But there is more. And that would be the wins, ERA, and strikeout categories as a pitcher. So, look, we, we usually try to t- talk about non-superstars in this section, but at some points, like, we got to talk about him. Just because we are now on a 14-game hitting streak. I don't know if he got a hit today. I believe you said he did, so maybe that put it to 14. Uh, he's above 300, like. I never thought, you know, 270 I thought, but 300 is fantastic. You know, we talk about, like, guys that go on heaters within it, but his are just on a whole different level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we saw, you were talking about that that 450-foot blast to opposite field that just, like, no one does this. Not even Aaron Judge does this. Not He has such a unique swing, too. He generates so much torque in the way he swings. But, okay, since the start of June, so we're now two weeks into this, he has seven home runs in two weeks, 16 RBIs. He's hitting 421 in the month of June already. And so the year from now, he's leading baseball in home runs because Judge got hurt, Alonzo got hurt, but Otani is also on an absolute heater right now, just hitting him out every day. 54 RBIs. I don't know if that's first. I think Adolis Garcia might still have him in that. But a 301 average, which Adolis Garcia won't sniff in his lifetime. Not that, that no slight to Adolis Garcia. Fantastic player in his own right. But Shohei Otani, the hitter, is 300. 385 on base percentage, 626 slug percentage, 1.011 OPS. That's just the hitter. Just the hitter version. We don't even talk about the pitcher. I said, at this point, beyond him getting traded to the National League, and I know we just talked about this a few weeks ago, and I think we both said Aaron Judge for MVP because of the way he was playing at the time, but beyond Otani getting traded to the National League, Joey Otani will finally win his first AL MVP award. Uh, You know what his war is right now? (laughs) We're halfway through the season. I can't even imagine. It's almost five. Like, that is a phenomenal season. It is 4.8. Next is Acuna. Well, no, excuse me. Wander Franco was 3.9, followed by Acuna at 3.6, and Stroman actually hit 3.6. I don't know if you have a way of looking up for historically for when it comes to wins above replacement. I know there's been a couple above 10, uh, but that's the, the that's a select goats. few. When we did the original GOAT, I remember we talked about some people that would get up there like, let me look at, like, Ken Griffey, because that's not that you know that's a Hall of Fame level player. Some of those years, I was trying to think of someone more recently that we could talk about. Griffey's highest got to nine point seven. It looks like so he did not get a ten. Now Otani's got a chance. Let's do Ichiro, a little more modern of a player. Now he doesn't have the huge home run power that Otani had. His highest, I yeah, see, he only got up to seven. Now his was a defensive thing. It, hey, I I got it for you here. Okay, if you want to talk about historic highest. Uh, wins above replacement in an individual season. Babe Ruth. Yep. Yeah. And you're so here's like here's your uh, here's your top. Uh, I'll just give you a top twenty. Uh, you had uh, uh, and again shows you the level. Babe Ruth is the top three. <laughs> Age twenty eight, fourteen point one. That's a good year. Age twenty six, twelve point nine. Age thirty two, twelve point six. Then you get Carl Yastrzemski at 12.4. I would not have gotten that one. Roger Hornsby, 12.1. Barry Bonds at age 36, 11.9. Ah, here's that Babe Ruth guy again at age 25, 11.9. Lou Gehrig at, at age 24, 11.8. Barry Bonds at age 37, 11.7. Cal Ripken Jr. at age 30, 11.5. Honus Wagner, 30, at age 34, 11.5. Babe Ruth, age 29, 11.4. Babe Ruth, age 31, 11.4. Ty Cobb, age 30, 
Mickey Mantle, age 25, 11.3. Stan Musial, age 27, 11.3. Mickey Mantle, age 24, 11.2. Willie Mays, age 34, 11.2. Willie Mays, age 33, 11 even. Joe Morgan, age 31, 11 even. Roger Hornsby, age 25, 10.8. Now we each, I've gone past 20 just to get to this point. Mookie Betts, age 25, 10.7. So when I look at since the turning to the Barry years, since so it's been only once in the last 20 years has someone gone over 10. And is there? Okay. And that's that's Mookie Betts in, in 2018. That entire list. Uh, beyond Mookie Betts because he's still playing, I believe, are in the Hall of Fame. I don't think I heard you say one player. Yeah, did you see? Like, look at the level. <laughs> like, like those are all Hall of Fame. Everyone there, caliber players. You put together that type of season, chances are you're a Hall of Fame talent. Yeah, Mookie, Mookie Betts has a very good chance to be in the Hall of Fame too, right? So uh, and, next will be Ty Cobb, another Barry Bonds, another <laughs> Roger Hornsby. Then you get to Aaron Judge last year yep. at ten point six. The only issue with with Judge is, is is health. That's it. Uh, otherwise, like that level of talent, you see it. He is. He showed it again this year. That is there. So when you reach, I mean, you can talk about the different types of stats and what matters, and people can gravitate towards old stats, new stats. I get it within it. But if you're looking at this and saying from an individual's uh, best metric to say, if you've reached this level, chances are you're a Hall of Famer. This is the best one I've seen yet. I was saying someone who produces this level of an individual season is such rarefied air that only Hall of Famers touch it. Otani, he's a unicorn, man. He's something else. I, I forgot. He actually did win an MVP award two years ago and then finished second. So he does have an MVP on his caliber, and he's likely to win one again. Uh, he could go, see, we're at 22 home runs, another 40 homer, 20 steal, 300 season, while also being a 15-win pitcher. It's it's just an unbelievable skill set, and yeah, we, we talk about him a lot because he's amazing, but we don't actually sit down and talk about him because we just start to eventually just – I'm tired of his unbelievable skill set, well, but you have him and you have everybody so else. Uh, and so you're just used to the, yeah, this is what he does versus like, no, we need to talk about what he's doing here. Uh, it's, it's such a, uh, a historical phenomenon, cultural phenomenon talking about like, what would it have been like to see Babe Ruth in his prime, right? Like, just, these guys we talk about to actually see that happen. It feels like that would have gotten more, fa- like that got far more fanfare. Is is Otani the 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 most overlooked from a national landscape? Like the most overlooked Hall of Fame level player that we've we've had at, at this level? Because this is even, like we talk about like Mike Trout fits that way. The guy who's just so good, he doesn't obscurity because the Angels never win. A teammate also of Otani within that, but not even Trout is doing what what, what oh, these no. guys what what he's doing here within it like. Whoever thought you would see another Babe Ruth, and this guy is another Babe Ruth, and we've talked about on this podcast that even he's doing things that Babe Ruth never did. He's, yeah, he's he's. There, I don't know if there's ever been a player like Babe Ruth is obviously one of the best uh, handful of players we've ever talked about. When we did the Gold Podcast, I think we had Babe Ruth, one of the best right fielders ever. We might have had Hank Aaron better, but. He's got like six seasons above the ten wins above replacement. That's the level <laughs> of Babe Ruth uh, for that spot. So I get it. Otani retires today. He's a Hall of Famer. I think so. Yes, because no one's so. ever done yes, the two way. He should be right. And this effective of it, even even if his even if if his career ended tomorrow, yep. no one's done this uh, at, at this level. I think he should because uh, yeah, we've and, never and seen it, anybody like that. We talked about when he did the the the, the goat series of the 
longevity is one of the key traits within it. You have to have longevity. I think this is such a a unicorn uh, talent that it supersedes that. Well, he's putting together two seasons every season he plays, right? He puts together yeah. the hitting season and the pitching season. So every year he plays, he doubles up on what people do. So, yeah, we can talk about Otani for days. We could have an entire podcast on Otani, but we got to move on here. Let's talk about something a little more uh, a little more local. Let's talk about uh, uh, the uh, reemergence of, of Christian Yelich. Yeah, he's, he's playing pretty good. This is the, not the MVP, Christian Yelich of the 2018 and 2019 seasons, but this is the... Christian Yelich that was very good in Miami when hit early on in his career. Now, just like Clayton Kershaw, you always worry about the back a little bit. But he's had a pretty good year, kind of quietly, I think. Uh, 47 runs, we're at nine home runs. So, you know, mid-20s, 30 RBIs, 16 steals. That's, you know, if he, that's on pace to touch 35 steals again with a 265 average and a 359 on base percentage because he walks a lot. That's a pretty good leadoff hitter. He's got a 116 W or OPS plus at this point. So that's a well above average player. That is those Miami years. He had a 118, a 115, a 135. So I said he's very much back into the Miami days. And I, I've been pretty impressed with Christian Yelich. I said I just worry about the back at this point. But I think that as a leadoff hitter, I've said I think he's probably better as a DH at this point. His fielding isn't what it used to be. But the hitting looks good. It looks back to what it was. He's never going to launch the – they have a 45 home run season, 44 home run season he had. Now, that is not going to happen again. I think that was clearly the aberration at this point. But I think if, if things break right, you're looking at like a 2020 player but, and, and with, player, more, right? with more stolen bases, yeah. so in like 20, 30 uh, capabilities within that. He's, and I think this, we've talked about this so many times with the just fan perception on the basis of one of those types of, of power hitting years. People want him to be a number three hitter, number four hitter in a lineup. He's a number one. And honestly, if you look at the majority of his career, that's where he's honestly been. Uh, and in light of new numbers of things within it, yeah, maybe a little bit overpaid. But for an, an elite uh, leadoff hitter, I said you're not you're not getting bad production uh, uh, for this. And even if you have to move him into DH at some point, it just improves his uh, value versus uh, negative defensively. Like that works. You just need. You just need above-average hitters in whatever it is that they do. Uh, and so is he someone that can be part of a contending team, uh, part of a good bat within it? Absolutely. Uh, and he's seeing that more of uh, of late. You're seeing those numbers come together within it. Good to see. It is good to see. The Brewers could use some offensive spark here, and, and he's providing at the top of the lineup. Now they just got to drive him in. I was going to say, when, when offense is already in, in limited quantity, you, you don't uh, complain about the offense you're actually getting. Or a team uh, that needs some offense here. Versus versus the cold streak, uh, there's been uh, in June has June has not been a kind month uh, to some of the, the uh, top hitters in the league uh, within it. Which eventually, what comes up must come down, uh, and so some of that you're going to get to some cool stretches within it. The question or, and, or concern more with anything is: is it a cold stretch, or are now we into something entirely uh, different? And so that leads to uh, the player that we'll have up here now. Uh, who was uh, one of the biggest surprises of the first two months of the season. Uh, now we're seeing uh, things uh, being deflated here. Uh, what do we think of Nolan Gorman? Uh, when we talk about cold, he's as frigid as it gets right now in June. So we talked about Nolan Gorman off-air a lot uh, before the season started because you were Team Nolan Gorman and I was Team Jordan Walker to be the DH. And you absolutely looked dead on for like through mid-May, right? And I sat Nate Crow on it, 
And now we're for the last, so I'll, arbitrary endpoints here, May 26th I picked because, you know, I could go a little earlier than that and it'd be a little better. But May 26th, which is 18 games, he is seven for his last 62 with two home runs. So that is a 113 batting average and 30 strikeouts. That's what always worried me, right? That was the strikeouts that I always was afraid, afraid off of. But for the year, he's still at 244. We're getting closer to what I thought, right? I always said, I get the home run power. I think he's a platoon bat and he can hit 230. So I always said he's Schwarber light, uh, with an, which is versus right-handed hitters. He can be a 280 hitter versus right-handed hitters. Hit 25 home runs uh, versus right-handed hitters. Luck into five other ones within it. I still saw him as a 30 homer bat. I still see that. But, man, this is a, a cold stretch. I'm looking at a 30 game, his last 30, just to do that. And it's a, a 157 batting average. 232 on base, 281 slugging. He has uh, 41 strikeouts to nine uh, nine walks. Uh, he has near double the amount of strikeouts of anyone else on the team. That's during the that difference 30, with, 30 from Schwarber. Stretch. He does not walk as much as Schwarber. He, I think he could. I, I don't think, at least at this point, he doesn't. Also, Schwarber has a, lot of, a much better lineup. Yeah. Around him, I know that they have that they have you know Arenado and Goldschmidt and Jordan Walker looks pretty good all of a sudden again. So, but he doesn't have Trey Turner and Bryce Harper behind him. Like so, here's what it's going to happen: we're going to both end up being right on this. Yep, and he's going to end up like right in the middle. It's going to be. I think Nolan Gorman is going to be an extremely streaky player. Is what it's going to end up being like. Schwarber right now, light. Yes. <laughs> well, Schwarber's June is not like Schwarber is doing what he always does in June. But yes, it's very Gorman much is a the anti Schwerber in June. That much is for sure. Uh, Nolan Gorman in those last days that I picked had a one sixty one bad, but right, it, it it'll normalize. But at the end of the year, I still sit here and say, you said thirty home runs. Yep. I think that's very possible. Now it to be two forty to two sixty average. Yeah, the start like, of May when he was range. like two eighty, that's too high. He's not going to get there. Correct. But yeah, two forty. If he ends up around two forty somewhere, I think that's very doable. And it's just going to be you have to ride the waves with this guy and. There'll be highs, and right now we're in a very big low, and hopefully it'll turn around soon. Well, that'll bring us to uh, uh, to pitchers, and we have uh, uh, more of uh, an unknown. Uh, a we have someone who is uh, like ah, I didn't even realize he's still uh, still pitching and pitching well, and then the consistently inconsistent. Uh, we'll have that for our three. So let's begin with uh, 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 Tyler uh, Wells with uh, Baltimore who continue, we talk about uh, hot streaks, cold streaks, all that type of stuff within it. As far as a team goes within it, just highlighting when it comes to Baltimore, they've stayed consistent. Uh, they're 43-27, and 27, uh, which would be the uh, tied for the best record, non, not best non-raise record uh, in the AL uh, for that, and that would get you into the second place in the National League just below Atlanta uh, for that. So they've been doing very well, and the pitching has... like. The hitting's been good, and you see the uh, the the farm system showing itself within it. But some of these young pitchers are uh, being at least competitive enough, and he heads that list. Yeah, he's been what they were hoping to get, I think, out of Grayson Rodriguez, and he's been their ace. He actually leads the American League in WHIP, .85. So for the year, eighty-one innings, eighty-two strikeouts, to only sixteen walks. You want to have success, you strike batters out, and you don't give up walks, like don't give up free passes. Now he has sixteen home runs. That's pretty high for 81 innings, so that's not exactly what you want to see. That'll he has a 3.20 ERA. He's six and two. It'll go up if he's going to keep giving up home runs like that. Now he can cut down on the home runs, but 
you can it still needs to come down, but you can afford it more if you're not putting people on base before. Like that's that's the point. His low, uh, his uh, leading whip is what's keeping that that whole uh, uh, all the runs down. Three of the one his last three decisions. Three of the last four he has quality starts, and they're starting to look pretty good. They're letting him pitch a little deeper into games. I think Tyler Wells is actually pretty good. He came over as a Rule Five draftee from Minnesota, so good on Baltimore. We talk about their development, but they also identified a talent here and. Hey, it's working out for him. I I don't know if I'd expect a 320 ERA the rest of the way, but at this point he's banked 80 innings of a 320 ERA, so it's hard to see that touching four because he'd have to be pretty poor the rest of the way, and I don't think that's going to happen. I think Tyler Wells is good. I don't think he's a star, but I think he's a very good pitcher and somebody that Baltimore should feel comfortable building as a part of their future rotation. Well, and see, you just need... Uh, a few of these guys. You need that depth. That's what lengthens the rotation. That's what allows you to go on more uh, hot streaks or win eight of your uh, out of ten games within it. Uh, when you have more more depth within it, uh, as they grow, as things within it, I don't think you want him necessarily in your top two or top three. Uh, but have one of the better uh, number four starters in the league. <laughs> That's how you contend. That's how you win in, in October. Uh, so he is definitely a key, uh, a very key uh, part of that uh, in the uh, the category of. Guys, you never thought you would see that had talent, but injuries there. He's on what uh, some people get a, a second wave within it, that things break right, and, and then you, you see a resurgence uh, uh, that takes place. Health starts working within it. Can you count on, on more than one hand the amount of third times within where a guy comes back a third time? Uh, and then you, you normally you see like. A little bit, you see flashes, but they can't sustain it. They're gone after maybe a couple of starts. They, the, the health just isn't there. Their body won't let them do uh, what their talent has been able to do. That might not be a whole different question for another guy who's a Hall of Famer within it that will will break into that. But James Paxson, uh, it everyone. This was the guy who's made the most money off of potential. Uh, of anyone uh, in Major League Baseball, because every GM would get roped into a, you know, let's let's give him eight million dollars and see what happens, uh, and then he would he would pitch like two games and be done for the rest of the year, and yet next year some other GM would give him another eight million and let's see what happens, and now you, you see why uh, having an incredible uh, start to the season, even in his quote unquote healthy seasons, right? So 2018 he got to 160 innings, that is that is the peak number we've ever seen. And 150 in 2019. Now, that is five years ago, six years ago. Since then, 20 innings in 2020, one inning in 2021. He didn't pitch a single inning last year. So we've seen 21 innings out of him in the last three seasons. So I had absolutely zero expectations for James Paxton, none at all, when Boston signed him. I didn't think he was there last year and he never pitched, and I didn't expect anything. Last time we saw him pitch, he had – a 664 area with the Yankees and a 675 in his one inning with Seattle. But he's been good, like really good in a, in a repeatable way. 32 innings, 44 strikeouts. Look, James Paxton's ability to strike guys out was exactly what made him. You're talking about the teams always take a chance on these guys. Hard-throwing lefties who can strike people out are in high demand, and that's what he's still doing. 32 innings, 44 strikeouts. He's only walked 10 batters. And he's got a 309 ERA in six starts with a perfectly even 309 fit, meaning he is staying dead what he's supposed to be doing. And I've sat here and criticized Boston's pitching, and Chris Sale's hurt again. But James Paxton looks really good. Now, I don't know if he hits, if he can get to 140 innings again, I would, it'd be amazing. But I kind of hope he does it because it's fun to see guys who we know have the talent have the success when they stay healthy. And 
more power to him. Instant comeback player of the year if he continues this for the rest of the year because did not think it was going to happen. And it becomes an interesting story because we'll watch in the next month would be interesting. If he's still doing this well, mm-hmm. does Boston keep him? Does Boston use him as, as a trade chip? Like here's someone who on a one-year deal uh, within it, you could still net a pretty decent prospect for a guy that do you really want to, do you want to spend multi, uh, multi-year contract on him? He's, he's a year-to-year guy at best within it to me. Someone else might give him a two-year deal. I wouldn't want it to be my money uh, within it, but I wouldn't mind the prospect. If you have a hard-throwing lefty that just looks, every scout loves watching him. <laughs> uh, and that's what always gets everyone in trouble. But it will get you something uh, for that. So I think there could be more of a question about him, and you'll hear more about his rise in the next month if Boston could potentially trade some guys. Within, if they don't think they're going to go for a, one of the wild cards within it, they're sitting right at 500, 35, and 35. You never know. Uh, within it, the next month will kind of tell. But if they're, if they're sitting seven games back of the last wild card uh, when we're like 10, ga- 10 days away from the, uh, from the trade deadline, he could be one of the more interesting arms. When you look at who's actually realistically available, uh, he could jump to more of the top of that list of someone wanting to, to, to roll the dice on from a, again, not extreme because it's still going to be just a rental, uh, but he'll he'll get some uh, some interesting looks. We'll see what uh, what takes place there in the next, uh, next month. Uh, we move to the uh, Philadelphia Phillies, who uh, right now they're one of the teams that's been uh, uh, streaking this last week, five-game five, uh, five game winning streak, 8-2 and two, uh, in their last 10. We've been talking about pitchers here uh, within it, and we've seen, uh, we talked about the unsung or unknown. We've talked about the uh, forgotten, and we'll talk about the consistently inconsistent. Let's talk about Aaron Nola. I've said it before, I I love Aaron Nola, but apparently every time I pick this guy to win a Cy Young Award, he just is going to frustrate me to no end. Okay, 2021, I picked him. He's your Blake Snell. He, I don't. He's not though. I don't know how he's not the better. <laughs> like he's leading baseball. Unlike Blake Snell, he leads baseball in innings pitched. He leads baseball in batters faced. He's out there. He's eating the innings. Okay, two years ago he struck out 223 and he walked 39 and he put together a 4.63 ERA. I don't know how that's even possible. Last year. Almost matches it. 235 strikeouts to 29 walks, and he match, goes to a 325 ERA. This year, 94 innings. He struck out 93 to 24 walks. And he has a 466 ERA. I was going to say, if you hear 94 innings, if I would give you to say, he's only given up 80 hits, yep. uh, only 24 walks. He has a 1.1 whip, 93 strikeouts. So he's a full uh, K per nine. Uh, batting average against is, is 227. Is that good? They're what would good, you right? expect his ERA to be? Like three, four, five tops, right? Yeah, so like like three point four five, yeah. like like mid uh, At worst. low low threes would be realistic. Four point six six, like it, it's it doesn't make any sense. Here's the one number I wasn't giving: fifteen home runs every game. Okay, I watched Aaron Nola this week against Arizona. Six and two thirds, like of those. Five and two-thirds are just completely dominant. He strikes out nine batters. He gives up a single, he walks a guy, and then Cattell Marte hits a three-run home run on him. And it happens every game. It, it happens every game. I, I I watch as many Erlenola starts as I possibly can. So, like, last five starts. Six and two-thirds, nine strikeouts, but he gives up four earned runs. The game before that, six and a third, seven strikeouts, he gives up six earned runs. Okay, it's the Dodgers. 
you got a little babbit. Seven innings, no earned, 12 strikeouts against Detroit. Six innings, ten, five strikeouts. He gives up four against the Mets. Six innings, five earned. He strikes out nine against Atlanta, but he gives up three home runs. It's the home run. He's not had home run problems before. Last year in 205 innings, he gave up 19 of them. You mentioned he had 15 already this year. Like, if it regulates to what we're used to, Aaron Ola is going to be a stud the rest of the way again. But otherwise, this is excuse me, just going to be a frustrating season where he's going to have this dominant starts, but these one blow up inning is going to kill him every time. Here's the challenge: you have a traditional, uh, traditional team, an organization, how they operate. When a non traditional team would make him more effective. You know, we haven't talked to him in a while for a pitcher. What the numbers we look at? Third time through the order penalty. Let's look at his numbers here. First time through the order. He's striking out over eleven and a half per nine. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh his uh Babip is at two eight two eight two. That's solid. His uh FIP is three point six, his X FIP is three point oh eight. All good. Second time through the order. Goes down to eight point two seven. For the K per nine, still it's almost fine. a strikeout. That's, fine, that's yeah. still solid. Uh, walks a little bit more, nothing terrible. Uh, Babbitt actually goes down to two seven eight, so not much changes there. His uh, FIP four point two five, his X FIP three point nine seven, still solid, fine. still yeah, very good. That. Third time through the order, he's striking out six per nine. Now you're seeing a drop. I, interesting within this is he's his Babbitt right now is at uh, two twenty. Uh, uh, two, two, one. It's because home runs don't count against Babip. That would be but, my but his, point. There. His homer is actually not as bad third time through. No. The, you'd think it would be, but it's the lowest of the homer per nine third time through the order. However, all those things combined together, FIP of four point seven nine, X FIP of four point eight seven. You, I just don't. You, he's a five inning dominant pitcher. I just don't get it. I and and then you're fine. You try to get more. You try to uh, to make him a Verlander. You try to make him a Scherzer within it, and then he loses his effectiveness. This is clearly seen, but you have a stubborn organization still operating like it's the 1990s and the rest of a uh, a baseball world that is operating in the 2020s. Uh, an analytics-driven league, when you are pitching him, just dumb. Too long. They're leaving him in there. Is is actually very hard. The inconsistently inconsistent is not his fault. Uh, within it's an organization that is doing a, a player wrong by not maximizing his talent and making him as effective as he can be. Put Aaron Nola on the Tampa Bay Rays, and he is a Cy Young winner. He's a free agent after this year. We know they like their Philly guys. They just coughed up a lot to Zach Eflin. I would love to see him go to a new team. I I just have I've only been Aaron Nola stan, and I would love to see him. I. Okay, so here we go. Even with all the stuff we just said, he's sitting, what did we say, 466 ERA. For the rest of the year, you're taking the under, I'm assuming, substantially on oh, that, yeah. right? He's like, still going to be, I still put him at, at four. Uh, I'll put him at four within just because they're not the going to use year, him, he right? He lowers it to a four, you're saying. Yep. Yep, that's about what I was thinking, too. He pitches to about a mid threes from the rest of the way forward, and he lowers it to a four. Th- that's the only number that's out of whack. Everything else still points to this being one of the best 15 pitchers in, the pa- in Major League Baseball, right? So I. I think Aaron will be fine. I have him on like every fantasy team I have, and I roll him out there every week. And I look, and I get frustrated, but I keep rolling him out there because it'll change on a dime. I this is not an Alec Manoa thing. This is an Aaron Nola is an unlucky pitcher right now, and it'll change. I just confidently believe that. 
Well, let's see what you think about what uh, may change about uh, the, you know, it was about six weeks ago we were talking about the NL Darlings. Uh, it was nice to see them. They have young players. Still like to watch them within it overall. But the Pittsburgh Pirates, right, they came out came out hot within it. Then O'Neill Cruz got hurt. And it seemed like from there, like, and also they were pitching above their heads. They just don't have the pitching yet. They're having one of the best uh, resurgent uh, pitchers or best breakouts uh, taking place in, uh, among individual pitchers in the uh, uh, National League with Mitch Keller. Uh, and so th- they were fun to watch, but now they're kind of – Sliding back uh, to more, I mean, right about five hundred within it. Their their problem is they've lost uh, five in a row, two and eight in their last ten. Uh, but we'll go back to the NL Central for the next uh, uh, the this summer's version of the uh, uh, baseball's darlings, and that will be the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, winners of seven in a row, eight and two in their last ten. They are now thirty six and thirty five, so they have a winning record. Uh, I think this is the longest they've had a winning record uh, this late in the season and in, in quite some time. Uh, we've been seeing, uh, like for the last couple of years, Hunter Green. Uh, they, they had some of the young pitching that was going to, uh, together within it. That they were looking at that building within it. Now this year, it's been all of the position prospects. We talked about uh, Ellie De La Cruz. We talked about uh, uh, Matt McLean. Thank you, McLean is who I was going for there. Uh, still waiting on, and my fantasy team <laughs> is waiting on uh, Christian Encarnacion Strand. Uh, but they, this is one of the most promising group of young players. That, that any team has within it. And so uh, here we are uh, on mid-June uh, that we have Cincinnati with a winning record and only two games or a half a game back uh, of the NL Central lead. Thoughts on Cincinnati's rise it feels and a sustainability. Lot, it feels a lot like Baltimore, right? Baltimore sits here. You just talked about earlier that we talked about how Baltimore is at the second best record in the American League. They kind of got off to a hotter start than we thought last year. Remember, then they made the trade at the midseason point for traded away for Trey Mancini. And people are like, "Oh, but why? They're they're winning." And well, now we see this year. Well, maybe they knew what they were doing. And Cincinnati, yeah, it's kind of what it feels like. It's maybe they don't quite get there this year, but this is a force. This is a team that's going to be a force to be reckoned with for five years, ten years. I don't know. It could be a long time. McLean looks like a stud. Absolutely, I think he's leading baseball in hits since he's got called up, which is amazing for a 23 year old and you know Jonathan India is we don't even talk about him anymore but he's great Ellie De La Cruz is of course uh, Will Benson's been really good for him Spencer Steer will get Christian Encarnacion Strand and then the pitching Hunter Green looks really good Nick Lodolo's been hurt sounds like he's gonna be out till August unfortunately that stinks Andrew Abbott has been he's one of their next ones fantastic there. he has a zero ERA that's that's really good if you don't have it given up any earned runs in 17 innings that's a good way to win some games I don't know if it'll last. He's walking too many. 6.11 strikeouts per nine, 458 walks. That probably won't last, but he's done it so far. And they're they're playing ahead of their heads, right? A little bit. Their pitching is. But over and under 500 now at this point. You're 36 and 35. Does this team finish above it's 500? The right, it's the right division yep. uh, to play 500 ball and still be competing uh, in September. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they're hanging around. Oh yeah, they're gonna be uh, they're gonna be in this till the end. I don't think this is like the Pirates you mentioned, and we've seen. I think the Pirates will hang around this year. We've seen the Pirates you know fall off a cliff at times in the past. They they, they ebb and flow with when they get decent pitching for a turn through the rotation, right? That's pretty much what we're looking at there. I, I think Cincinnati will. Ma- I'll make a case for them this way. Of all the uh, the actual realistic hitters that could be traded, so the non Otani uh, uh, names. <laughs> Who would have a who has a chance of a bigger difference 
than the potential impact of Christian Encarnacion strand. Paul Goldschmidt. Um, yeah. I have to think about it. Pro- that might that might be like there's a that, chance. That's the point. Yes. There's a couple I can be within it, but think of like the like you're looking for that next injection to help the the, the momentum within it. When you can do that internally. That makes things more interesting in the second half of the season. They have that part within it. I haven't looked to see their farm system to know do they have another pitcher uh, coming up within it. They already have the most dominant closer uh, in, in the game. With the rest of their bull, uh, late-inning bullpen is at least solid uh, around him within it. This is They have pieces here to make it interesting. They don't have enough starting pitching, but what if they went, what if they went and traded for it? Uh, what if they traded for James Paxson? And signed Aaron Nola in the offseason. Yeah. They have plenty of money, right? All these rookies are cheap. Like, you sign an Aaron Nola, and you, now, they're, we talked about this before, like, their their park is actually harder to hit in, or to pitch in than, like, Colorado even. It is the best hitter's park in the game. But, like, Hunter Green, James Paxton, uh, Nick Lodolo, Andrew Abbott, Aaron Nola, on top of a pretty good lineup in the offseason. This is where I'd want, uh, is Health is always the issue. Alex Cobb would be another sure. one of those guys that yeah. can get ground ball within it for oh, this ballpark. Yeah. He like there's certain guys that would that would fit well uh, in this spot within it. But as far as like just the rest of this yeah. year, get one pitcher in there, and you could have a shot at the NL Central. A different division would be a different story. Have, I want them to buy a pitcher this uh, this trade deadline. And they have plenty. They don't have a whole lot of pitching prospects, but they have way more hitting prospects. They have like Noel V. Marte, who was the Big return for Luis Castillo, and yeah. he's blocked now, right? We just went through it. Ellie De La Cruz, Matt McLean, jo- Jonathan India, Christian Encarnacion, Spencer Steer. There's your infield. Where does Noel V. Marte play? I don't know. Like Cam Collier is in concerned. Miami. Yeah, exactly. Go go make a trade. Trade Noel V. Marte and get Braxton Garrett. Like Braxton Garrett would be great for this team. Or Max, uh, not Max Max, he's hurt. But like somebody like that. Jesus Cesar is probably too high at this point, but. Edward Cabrera, I think he went on the injured list today, but can you imagine Edward Cabrera and Hunter Green in the same rotation? Like, just these super fun guys, and yeah. yeah. It's, the Reds are in a very good place. If you're a Reds fan, this this turnaround happened really quick compared to, like, the Tigers or the Royals, who can't seem to get it right. Cincinnati did it well. Let's stay in the, the NL Central. Or no, we're going to actually uh, – uh, we'll come back to because we'll have a question for them uh, within us. So let's actually go to the NL East. We've been talking Philly a little bit. Uh, let's go back to them as far as, again, winners of seven in a row, eight and two. Uh, we've always said this is the team you're just waiting for them to click. Uh, sometimes this is a team that is talented enough or top-heavy enough with how they're built that they can, as long as they click in September leading into October, they're fine. So there's never been a concern. You'd like to see, you always want to see a better record uh, within it, but this isn't a team that ever concerns you when they're middling because you're just waiting for that team to click and then do what well. they did it last year, won them a World Series within it. Got so, to the World Series. Got to the World Series, yes, the World but Series, the, but, yes. but at least getting there uh, within it for, for that part, winning the, the NL uh, for, for that part, it works uh, for them. Have, is this the turning point? Are they now uh, clicking in uh, in June here? Do you feel confident in, the, uh, uh, in this hot stretch, the seven in a row, eight and two in their last ten? Uh, or where am I looking at here? Wrong team. Uh, five in a row, eight and two in the last ten. If they were in the Central, they're the they're the clear favorites, right? Their, their problem yep. is they play in the same division as the Atlanta Braves, who are a fantastic team. And we saw last year, you just got to get in. In their case, you just get in, and then you go from there. Now, I believe they're still behind the Marlins, correct? 
They are behind the Marlins uh, by uh, three uh, three uh, games. Good for the Marlins. Uh, and they are a game and a half back of the uh, second wild card. The, the Phillies are? With the Dodgers. With the Dodgers, okay. Here's the deal. I would love to say that the Marlins are going to hold out and the Diamondbacks, but eventually the cream rises to the top. And, uh, like, since June 1st, Trey Turner's hitting 295. I didn't think Trey Turner was going to hit 230. That seemed highly unlikely. Suddenly he's back to 250 on the year. And by the end of the year, if you told me that Trey Turner's back to 270, I would say that's pretty believable because he's really good at baseball. Uh, Bryce Harper, like these guys, here's the thing. When I look through Have some you seen the, his power numbers so far? It's not there Non-existent. Yet, right? like, not yet. Kyle Schwarber, we talked about good it. Batting, June, I, good batting average, but just not the, no power yet. June hits, Kyle Schwarber starts to hit. Nick Castellanos looks like a stud. JT Muto is... Hot as can be. He's on a scorcher. He had a cycle a couple days ago. Bryson Stott has been good this year for them. And you look at the pitching. We talked about Nola. Like, Zach Wheeler has been kind of disappointing. Like, and Aaron Nola. If they start to play like what we think they're capable of as true aces, this team can win a lot of games. And we've seen him do them in the past. And I wouldn't be surprised if at the end of the year, you tell me that Philly gets in the playoffs and they're, you know, 90 and, what would that be, 72? They very well, you put them in a, we said it before, you put them in a series and this team can beat anybody. Absolutely anybody. The Braves, the Dodgers, the Rays, whoever it is that they end up facing, the Phillies are one of the scariest teams in a short series because they have two or three star pitchers and they have stars on offense. And even without, you know, uh, Reese Hoskins, they still have plenty of stars. And I think that this is the start of the Phillies turnaround. I think they probably... I won't pick them to catch the Braves, but at some point I think they will probably catch and pass the Marlins. I would suspect it'll be between them and uh, the question is going to be Arizona's uh, uh, ability to sustain this, but I expect them to have the top wild card. That's kind of what I'm expecting Philly uh, to do uh, uh, within that. Uh, we move to the uh, uh, to the American League, and we'll take a look at the team that uh, there's been more of a wonder, like, okay, when is, at some point you have to slow down. Right, and the uh, as great as Baltimore has has played within it uh, for the longest part of the season, Rays only had like a four game, four to uh, four to five game lead uh, in the AL East uh, as a result of just how well Baltimore has played uh, within it, uh, and then I think we got down like, into the four range, uh, and then uh, seven and three in their last ten, one three in a row. That looks like they're going to lose uh, uh, tonight to they the Padres. Lost. That game is done. They have lost two to nothing. Uh, and uh, they're now uh, they're the first to 40. They're now the first to 50. Difference between 40 and 50, teams weren't that far behind them uh, within it. Now the next team is at, at like six games back of getting to 50 within it. They're at 43 is like the next closest. Uh, and uh, there's there if they would go on a hot streak within it, there would be a chance they could get to 60 before another team got to 50. Like that's that's where things are right now. Rays are fifty one and twenty two. They're essentially we're now fifty one and twenty three, just under a seventy percent win uh, a percentage here. Uh, with it, it is almost unheard of to see a team at this level at this point. Kind of like uh, acknowledging Shohei Otani with uh, the level he's doing. Like we expected for right now, things are going. You just know it's in the background and happening. But sometimes you just got to acknowledge uh, where things are. I was watching them, I believe it was last night against San Diego, and I was actually watching on the San Diego feed, and the announcer, 
brought up the fact that there is a chance that the Rays have, at the come the end of the year, all nine of their batters have 20 home runs. And Yanni Diaz, well on pace, right? Wander Franco, I don't think he has a home run since early May. Now he's stealing bases at a clip that I did not think possible. But I think I'd still take, I think the over on 15, I don't know if he'll get to 20, but it's certainly, it's in there with all the possibility. Luke Rayleigh is going to hit 20 home runs. They have like five or six guys at uh, at, hit, at the 12 marker right now. Earl yeah. Arena will get there, right? Paredes will get there. Josh Law, low. Sorry, Josh Low will get there. I don't know Jose about Christian, Siri. Christian Bethencourt, I don't know about. Taylor Wall seems like he's going to get there. I, I did not see that coming. And Jose Siri, yes. And I forget how what the stat was, but, you know, it's not even the home runs. It's the the home runs plus the steals. They're leading baseball, and I think they're leading in steals. I believe they've been passed in home runs by Texas, but they also lead in steals by a mile because they just apparently run wild with the new rules. And we've talked about their pitching many times because that's what they're known for, not their offense, but the offense has been better. Uh, the pitching, I believe, is second in ERA last I checked or first. I don't remember. It was pretty high in ERA, and uh, the offense has been better. So... The only thing that gets in their way is injuries, and they've had to deal with those so far, and they just keep clicking, so maybe even that won't slow them down. They've dealt with Jeffrey Springs, and Drew Rasmussen has a flexor tendon. Is that right? Flexor tendon? Essentially, you're just worried about it being a third Tommy John. Uh, that's that's the concern with, with Drew Rasmussen. He's already had two, uh, and you're dealing with similar like issues where they're going to – you'll call it a different thing within it, but what you're worried about is a third Tommy John. We know that they do not – like. Tyler Glassnell's not exactly a beacon of health, right? Now he's we've dealt with him, so he's back. Like that that's the only question here, but and because how long can they just keep plugging guys in? They've done it for a long time already, but can you just can you sustain another injury? Hopefully it doesn't happen, and they just keep plugging along and the offense keeps carrying and the pitching keeps sticking there. Cause yeah, this team has a good chance. I mean, I've we've talked about them a few times. I've said, you know, can they get to hundred at this point? I, they certainly seem likely to get there, and I did not think that was possible in the American League East. So it's just weird that they seem to find another gear. Like, okay, it was a, a benchmark of like if you if you're playing 600 ball, uh, that is really elite. Good. That's really that good. That is elite if you're able to play 600 ball. They're now at near a seven. Yeah, like, I like they're they're reaching different levels. They were that, able to stop the right hot Oakland Athletics. And that's right. That that's how you know. That's right. When you can beat the was it seven game winning streak of Oakland at one point. I mean. When you're knocking teams off heaters, well, to be honest, I, uh, uh, Texas hasn't been the same since they faced them. Texas is three and seven uh, in their uh, last ten. Uh, with and had fun watching that series with it. I think we're going to see more good series with those those teams against each other uh, later on as time goes. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Blake's now revenge game: six innings, two hits, three walks, twelve strikeouts. That is a Blake Snell of. I told you this is. I think we're in the good Blake Snell. This is I think four or five in a row. I would put twenty wow. bucks down right now that he is a clunker the next game out because okay. because of the revenge game within it and the way the stretch is going, he's due for that clunker. I don't care who he's facing within <laughs> it; he's going to walk like five or six guys in his next start, and it is going to be a clunker. Um, we'll see if I, if I'm true on that first. one. We'll talk about it next week. Let's uh, go to the three questions. Let's talk about like there's guys that have met uh, expectations, uh, and then there's still some question marks uh, and the. Uh, where do you frame? Is it one of the early season-ending injuries uh, that have taken place? Uh, Kansas City has been a disappointment for all sorts of reasons, uh, but usually the individual talent has still been very good. Uh, Vinny Pascantino uh, is now gone for the year. Uh, not the sophomore season that you hoped for, but in the collective, like with 
where do you rate it with an obviously the injury is what makes it disappointing here for it, but do you still see him as that, that cornerstone piece uh wh- where does he fall in all of this is he part of the of the Kansas City issues is it the dysfunction pulling him down like wh- how do you rate uh a Vinny Pascantino at this point as part of baseball's young stars I think he did it's an okay season as a 25 year old he played 61 games. He had nine homers, 26. He had 17 doubles to nine home runs. So here's one thing he's always going to be held down by because we talk about Cincinnati being easy to hit in. Kansas City is brutal to hit in. It is one of the hardest hitting parks. As far as home run power, it is extremely hard to hit it out of there. So I think he's always going to hit a lot of doubles. And fine. He still he struck out more than he walked this year, but 31 strikeouts to 25 walks is a really good ratio as a 25-year-old hitter. So you're thinking, okay, well, last year he played 72 games hit one more home run. He had the same amount of RDIs. Yes, he walked 35 to 34, but I said 25 to 31 isn't that different. The difference is, you know, it's basically the BABIP. So he had a 300 last year. He was at 250. Maybe it would have corrected the rest of the way, and he gets his average. Last year he hit 295. I think he's probably a 280 hitter, right? Like, And a 280 hitter who could hit 30 doubles and 20, 25. Home, 20 25 home runs somewhere in there, right? I, I don't have a whole lot of concerns. I think it was probably considered a disappointing season. I had... In fantasy, I had Vinny Pascontino on a lot of teams because uh, I was more than willing to play the, like, seventh, eighth-round price. It was like him and Jose Abreu going in that range, and I was taking a chance on the young guy. And it sucks that he got hurt, but I didn't really ever consider taking him out of my lineup. I was willing to ride this, and I think he would have turned it around and had a fine year. And if you know, I get a discount next year, I'll probably be right back in because I think he's going to be just fine. So there's three first basemen, I think, that uh, in the later rounds – uh, that uh, have left something to be desired within us. You have uh, uh, Vinny P. You have uh, uh, Rowdy Telez, uh and Jose Abreu, right? Like those are the guys at the end, and and uh, all different reasons. I like, had good reasons for all three of them for for thinking of a holding off. First base has not had the depth this year. Like there was there was thoughts at least some guys could produce not much different numbers from guys near the top. Where if you weren't going to get like the top like two guys uh, within it then you're better off waiting till later rounds within it. Didn't quite work out uh, uh, that way, at, at least to date. I will say this for Jose Abreu. I think it's happening. I, I think Jose Abreu, notoriously slow starter, and every year we just say, okay, well, he's 36. It's stop. It's, he's 34. He's starting to slow down. He's 35. Uh, suddenly in the month of June, Jose Abreu has three home runs, 13 RBIs already. He's hitting 304. I I think it could be happening, and if there's one... Agreed. I have more faith in Jose Abreu hitting, uh, like, I'm not sure he's ever the 37 home runs or whatever he had. I don't think that's going to happen, but I'll, I'll sit here on a limb on June 17th and say, even though he's sitting Makes with 20. four homers and 231, he gets to 20 home runs, and he gets that average to 260. Would not be surprising in the slightest, uh, uh, based on a full track record. Like this isn't the first time he's slumped this way within it. This is more of of what he does. Maybe a little more on the extreme side, but you're seeing him already start to turn the tide the way he uh, has historically within it. Well, that you know, as far as uh, guys that you're betting on or how to make things work or what you're projecting uh, for the rest of the year within it. What do you project with the uh, with the New York Yankees? Uh, now that Aaron Judge is going to be out a little more extended, uh, more tests being done on the the toe within it, things going on, uh, can this team win uh, uh, without him? Again, right now the they are four and six in their last ten. 
39 and 31 overalls out you got or did they win yep. today 39 and 31 so my game postponed today so there'll be a double header tomorrow I just look at the Yankees lineup and I say uh scrub scrub old guy scrub Glaber Torres and scrub 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 like Jake Bowers and Billy McKinney are currently starting in their outfield along with the ghost that of you know some of these guys DJ LeMahieu has got a ghost Josh Donaldson plays sometimes for them it's just not a very good lineup and Aaron Judge got a second shot in his toe, which doesn't sound great. <laughs> uh, you need your toes to run the bases and do things like that. So I don't know. I don't – clearly they're not catching Tampa Bay, right? We just talked about how good Tampa Bay is. There is no chance that the Yankees catch Tampa Bay. So then you're looking at, okay, well, can they hold off – can they catch the Orioles? Probably picking the Orioles at this point. I don't think they're catching the Orioles. And then can you hold off the Blue Jays and the Red Sox? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not, here's the one. Well, we'll talk about him in a little bit. The good note is apparently Carlos Rodon is finally going out on a rehab assignment. They still have Garrett Cole, who's arguably the best, one of the best two or three pitchers in the game. So they can rely on him every few days. They need Luis Severino to pitch better. If they're going to win, it is not going to be because of their offensive Aaron judges there. I can tell you that. It, it just simply won't be. Uh, Volpe's been okay in a like worst version of Bobby Witt so far. I, I don't have a whole lot of concerns long-term. I think he'll be, he's, he could easily put a 20 homer 40 steal season together while hitting 200 as a 22 year old. I, I don't think he's going to hit that usually. So I have a lot of faith in Anthony Volpe, but he's young. And other than Stanton and Glaber Torres, does Jake Bauer. Okay. Anthony Rizzo does Jake Bowers, DJ LeMayu, Isaiah kind of left Billy McKinney or Jose Trevino stake fear in the heart of your pitcher. Probably not. Let's put it this way. Does it strike fear in the heart of a pitcher in October? No, no. That's the problem. Yeah. So they need Aaron Judge. The lineup just looks way different. Just putting Aaron Judge in this lineup makes this team so much better. And I don't know when they're going to get him because foot stuff isn't good. Actually, they could use Harrison Bader. I forgot that they have Harrison Bader, too. They could use him, too. But he's also dealing with a – this is a hamstring. So they – if I'm picking – if I'm holding off right now, the Yankees are not a team that – I don't think we picked them to make the playoffs when we did it in the preseason – and if I had to do it again right now, I would still not pick them to make the playoffs. I, I would agree with that. I, I think just the when you look at there's just if they were in the National League, I wouldn't. Have, I, I would agree. Uh, right now, the American League is extremely strong. Uh, you are at what eight or nine deep uh, in, in the American League of being legitimate playoff teams, and probably another one or two that are more on the fringe. That especially if they're in the National League, you'd be talking about them more more realistically. Within it, it's, it's just hard uh, with the level of competition that it is. Uh, and so we know how much of a difference maker Aaron Judge is within, and, and the key is how quickly they get him back. Uh, how much of a difference maker switching to the back to the uh, NL Central uh, and more locally with the Brewers? How much of a difference maker is we talk about guys going on rehab assignments. We mentioned Carlos Rodon that way. Uh, Brandon Woodruff is doing the same uh, right now with him. How much of a difference maker uh, is Woodruff for the Brewers, for this Brewers team as they're constructed right now? So it's, it's like, at first, well, that's a dumb question. Brandon Woodruff is an ace. Of course he's a difference maker. Well, that's not the, the question. The question is, with this team as currently constructed, how much of a difference maker will Woodruff be for what their needs are uh, with this team? When the Brewers have been winning in the past, it's been because we talked about they have these star pitchers. Corbin Burns starting to look a little better. He started off cold. He's starting to look a little better. But look, you're not gonna you're not replacing Brandon Woodruff. 
you can make the case that the Brewers have the, well, not with the way Marcus Stroman's pitching, but otherwise the Brewers have the three or at least two best pitchers in the National League Central, right? Between Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff. Now I know Stroman's pitching like a stud. We talked about how good Hunter Green has looked, but I'd still take Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns over them. And, you know, Freddie Peralta at times looks very good too. So if the Brewers get back to the rotation that we envisioned, minus Aaron Ashby because he's not coming, but Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta, Wade Miley keeps looking good. He had a nice start today in his return from the IL. And then if Eric Lauer or Adrian Hauser, it's a pretty long rotation, which in a division that's characterized by 500 teams, even if the Brewers struggle to score runs, which is happening, I'm watching them do it, even if they struggle to score runs, oh, I should also mention Julio Tehran has been a stud. Like all another one, like out of nowhere, has been awesome for them. Like a James Paxton style. Yes, yes. I did not expect this when they signed Julio Tehran. I sent my friend Jared, who I think listens to the pod, like, wow, where's this bet last from the past? He had pitched 36 innings in the last few years. He has 30 innings already this year with a 178 ERA. I did not see that happening. I don't know if it'll sustain, but good for him. So another pitcher, they have enough pitching to win a lot of games. We've said that for years on this podcast. The Brewers have the pitching to win games. It's just a matter of can you get the get get the offense to come together. I think if Brandon Woodruff comes back, we saw two starts out of him, 11 innings before he hurt his, I think it's his hamstring. Uh, if Brandon Woodruff pitches like Brandon Woodruff's capable of, the Brewers are still probably the team to beat in the National League Central. I think they hold off the Reds then. I think they're able to pull, a, pull ahead of the Pirates and the Cubs because, I said, I think they probably have the best two pitchers in the National League Central. Which team has given up the fewest amount of runs in the National League? Ooh, that's a tough one. Fewest amount of runs in the National League? Miami Marlins. Uh, They are top five. Mm, Top six would be correct. Los Angeles Dodgers. No. Really? They Mm. don't crack top six. Wow. Okay, I got to think about this. So we got out east. We got the, no, it wouldn't be any of them. Hmm, not the Cardinals. Certainly not. Uh, Braves. Braves are, are uh, second. They, they are very good at the baseball. So, well, Spencer Strider <laughs> looking a little more human <laughs> lately, but that's still like really, really good. How about the Cubs? Cubs are pretty good. They are tied for fifth. Okay. Oh, man. It's tough. I would say the Padres, but they've been. Is They're it? first. Is it? Okay. First, at least amount of runs yeah. given up uh, with uh, the New of Atlanta second. Uh, third uh, is, oh, where did they go? Uh, I just wanted to see where they are. There are two teams, three teams that are tied for third. Chicago is one of them. San Francisco. Oh, I should have guessed them. They're always good at it. Ugh. And Milwaukee. Milwaukee's in the top Brandon five. Woodruff. Without Brandon Woodruff. So. Uh, runs against. Now I'll ask it the other way. Which team has scored the least <laughs> uh, in the National League? Oh, boy. are they, de- they can't be dead last. They have to be better than Miami, aren't they? Miami's now surpassed them by uh, one run. So this yikes. gets to the point uh, of this, like, Brand, like, they have now, have they pitched above their heads, uh, the Brewers, uh, with it, with the injuries for what's there for some of these guys? Certainly. Now can you have more confidence that with a Woodruff coming back, they can sustain this level? Certainly. But it's not improving. The worst offense in the National League, unless Brandon Woodruff pulls a Shohei Otani, 
<laughs> they have worse problems uh, that Woodruff is not going to fix. Uh, everyone wants to get a Woodruff back. So, again, I'm not trying to, like, it's good getting a guy like that back. It is a shot in the arm for getting that level of talent. It puts a little extra uh, uh, jump in the step for everybody within it. It is an improvement. It helps his length, his ability to go, helps out a bullpen as well. So it has a uh, a full uh, effect on the, the entire uh, pitching roster within it. The offense sucks. Uh, and we are we, we try to get the best positive spin by talking about Christian Yelich earlier. If you again, this is where you get frustrated at a team that and the small market challenges. Uh, they've maxed. They've it's not that they haven't spent. Uh, within uh, you, you talk about maybe a little bit more, but as far as where their team is and free, uh, financial resources, where they fall within it, they're right about where they should be. At the same time. You get your money uh, when you sell this team later with it for what the, the, the investment is on what you're going to sell it for versus what you bought it for. You're not always going to make a profit each year within it. And also, uh, playoffs is where you get some of that money back. You can't be this bad offensively. And you can't be this ignorant from a front office standpoint of not addressing something that is this bad uh, within it. You have to at least get one or two batters, Period. There's no excuse. It is like we can scratch our heads and I wonder why this team uh, isn't working everything out. We know. It's as plain as day within it. You have to improve this offense. Yep. They, I did not know they'd fallen into last, but I watch nearly every game, and I get frustrated watching. You know, I just talked about Julio Tehran. I know that he won yesterday. He got his first win, I believe. But before that, he'd lost back-to-back games one to nothing. Like, you, you can't lose those games. When your pitcher gives you one run, you, you can't lose them. As simple as that, you have to score – you have to average four or five runs a game. And I officially, they probably are. You don't know how many runs they've actually scored. They probably are. But they're way too inconsistent. They don't get on base enough. It's – I mentioned Yelich. He's played well. And I would guess – I would say William Contreras has played pretty well. Rowdy Telez is doing what Rowdy Telez can do and that he can hit home runs. And I, the average is probably just never going to be there, but like, I don't know if he's above it, but Willie Adamas is right around the middle of his line. He can't be that bad. He, he simply can't be that bad for what they're relying on him to keep rolling him out there every day, batting third. He cannot bat 203 or 205, whatever he's at. Uh, it's just not good enough. Jesse Winker is below the middle of his line, too. I know he's been hurt lately. He can't be that bad. They, they, they cannot have players that are playing at that level. Luis Urias was hurt for a big chunk of the season. He is three for 31. William Contreras, uh, we don't talk about, we're, and we'll talk about hitters uh, acquired in the uh, the offseason for a free agency within it in just a he's moment. But uh, but he's hasn't been last year. He's he's coming around better. There's a slow start. He's coming around a little more. That's good. Uh, but as far as if, if I were to take you down the National League, which team would you have more confidence in uh, building around uh, within it? We, and and ignoring like Atlanta and and, and the, ignoring the, the Dodgers uh and then we'll, we'll put Arizona in that category whether should or shouldn't ignoring those 3 Miami uh I, I would take Miami more I for the next 10 years yeah I'd take Miami yeah for the next 5 years I'd probably take the Brewers I love some of what Miami's doing I just don't know if it's going to come that fast but yeah I get Miami Beyond that, but I'm taking the Brewers over the Nationals. Miami saw a need with their offense and went out and at least got Luis Arias. 
Right, went it, for it, three it, and like for three days in a row, and then it, and then he comes back with a five hit game. It's just the most you, ridiculous thing I've ever seen. I love you, loser high so much. Uh, and they uh, like Jorge Soler back yeah. going with like they've not they've not hit on everything, but you've seen the attempts are there. I trust their attempts more than the Brewers right now. They, oh, they, I trust their oh, absolutely. If that's the question, yes, I trust and pitching that they'll trade in order to actually uh, try to improve within it. Yep. Yeah, the Brewers, I, they're not making the. I don't want to say a splash move. I don't know if Luis Rice is a splash move, but they're not mm, being aggressive enough with your contention windows now, right? Corbin Burns is going to leave this team. Uh, whether that's if they're out of, I don't think they're going to be out of contention. I know they traded Josh Hader last year when they were in first, and everybody re- like revolted against it. I don't know if they're going to trade Corbin Burns this year, but otherwise, Corp, one of Corbin Burns or Willie Adamas is likely to be traded if this team starts to fall out of contention this year. And I wouldn't be surprised if both of them get traded, but. You have to you have to take advantage of that too. Like a Corbin Burns for a year and a half return should restock a lot of this, and we've talked about it. they should have a pretty good farm system to do it with. But you got to keep like your team does, right? You got to keep stocking it, and they're close they to not picking a direction, right? This yep. is where they're getting dangerous into that. Like we'll just be happy with being five hundred, slightly above five hundred, not actually do much of anything within it, and then you can't. You're not going to get something with one year of of, uh, of team control left. Uh, if you actually want to get a good return with Corbin Burns, Sox. you become the White Sox. Yeah, is that's what you become. it. Uh, if you want to get something for Corbin Burns, is at this trade deadline. It won't be the off season. You'll get something okay, but you're not going to get what you would if you be trading with with more control within it. And and that becomes a thing. We'll wait and see within this. Uh, but I'm just concerned. Like the, like you go the rest of the NL, Philadelphia and the Mets. I believe in their spending ability. Like oh, yeah. I. I still like the what the Brewers have done uh, within it, but they can spend past their mistakes. The Brewers cannot. Uh, Cincinnati's farm system and where they're coming at within it on the upward trajectory. Uh, I would pick Cincinnati over at Milwaukee right now as far as like next year is concerned uh, uh, mm-hmm. within it. I would pick Milwaukee over Pittsburgh. What about the Cubs? Because that's, that's an even one, right? That's about Yeah, I'd say that's about even because uh, they're going to spend more within it. I don't, they have no farm system for things that are going to be there uh, with, with – but they'll throw 175 but, million at you know Dansby Swanson, who we'll talk about here in a little bit. Milwaukee, well, Milwaukee will be more if like, if they'll get the best out of what they have. The other teams have more resources, and so it's not enough. And so the, the concern for the Brewers is what do you do uh, in this middling ground uh, spot within it? Either you commit, and, I, and that's more or less what it is. Don't give me status quo. Either you go out and get two bats. And now you're going for because you have a winnable division and whatever you do within this, especially if you make trades on, on the fringes with uh, uh, rentals within it, you're not going to give up a considerable amount. You don't have to trade top prospects to do this. But either you do that and say, we'll get our money back with the playoff run uh, or trade Burns and Adamas. Don't do this middle ground. Like we're just going to keep running with what we got. What you got got you to the worst offense in the National League. You have to do better. Check in next week when we talk about possible trade candidates. So we will uh, fire up that hot stove next week. We'll uh, take a look at uh, uh, 10 hitters, 10 pitchers uh, that will give us uh, the uh, warm-up for what's coming in uh, about six weeks' time uh, within it. But right now, before we uh, wrap up this week's podcast, we'll do just a quick uh, rundown on uh, buyer's remorse. Uh, we'll look at uh, f- uh, some top hitters, some top pitchers, and then give the best uh, bargain signings so far so far through the first uh, quarter of the season or third of the season coming up next. Cut my egg. Your eggs are cut, sir. Cut my milk. 
I can't serve it. Liquid imbecile. Freeze it, then cut it. You, bring me the Wall Street Journal. You two, fight to the death. You are a madman. I want to party with you, cowboy. Now, you kids with your loud music and your Dan Fogelberg, your Zima, Hula Hoops, and Pac-Man video games, don't you see... People today have attention spans that can only be measured in nanoseconds. <laughs> be honest with you, I love his music. I do. I'm a Michael Fulton fan. Yes! That's awesome! We'll first take a look at uh, uh, three re-signings uh, for hitters uh, within it, and we'll talk about uh, Brandon Nimmo, we'll talk about Aaron Judge, we'll talk about Carlos Correa, uh, and that's over half a billion dollars in those three uh, players that signed in the offseason. And I think, you know, Brandon Nimmo does what Brandon Nimmo does, and that's, he's hitting 286, which is actually eh, maybe a little low for him, but... He draws a bajillion walks. That's what he always does. He draws Over walks. a 400 OBP. Yeah. He gets on base at a high clip. I think that's the Mets are getting exactly what they wanted out of Brandon Nimmo. Aaron Judge, I mean, we, we said he was trending towards the second MVP award or at least to be in contention with in the Otani class, which is saying something because Otani's a, an alien. We talked about that. And Aaron Judge was hanging in there with him in the MVP discussion. But unfortunately, he's dealing with that toe injury. Now you can't predict that, right? I know we've we've – talked about I've talked about I don't know if we've talked about it we I've talked about I have concerns about Aaron Judge's body breaking down I'm not going to hold Aaron Judge running into a fence and hurting his toe that is not his body breaking down that's a freak Byron Buxton getting hit in the hand all the time act injury but so I, good for them the Aaron Judge signing looks great now remember Carlos Correa had the weird offseason where he signed with the Giants and then that didn't work and then he signed with the Mets and that didn't work and then he signed with the Twins again those first two teams might actually be very thankful at this point. I've, I've, I've said before, I don't overly think Carlos Correa is as good as he gets a contract for. I've said that before. I also don't think Carlos Correa is a 215 hitter. Uh, we're sitting here at 215. The nine home runs and 34 RBIs are fine. That's, that's not all that far off. That's a 25 homer, 90 RBI pace. I don't think Carlos Correa is a 215 hitter. I wouldn't expect him to rise that again to. 290, and it looks like he's doing that in the month of June here, getting a little hotter. I think he'll be better than that. I don't think he'll ever – I don't. I just don't believe in Carlos Correa as this massive contract like the other shortstops, but he's better than 215. I And the, the Twins seem to like him, so, yeah. Eh. He's been good from a, a leadership standpoint uh, within it, been a good clubhouse guy within it, uh, willing to take on that, that role, been good for development. Uh, student of the game, all those good things, the good qualities that are there uh, within it. I think some of that will come up. I think the concern, again, uh, as much as you're worried about Aaron Judge in year seven, eight, nine, uh, you're worried about a c- career sooner, I think four, five, six already, uh, and that is more of the, uh, the challenge. The, the power hitting has been there. That's great. Uh, we'll see what happens as the year moves on. Maybe that uh, works itself out. Uh, let's talk about the uh, big bucks that got signed in the offseason. Let's talk about Trey Turner uh, that, again, for whatever fluke things, uh, if it was just the pressure of it or just the funk to begin with, uh, new surroundings, everything, not the initial impression that you'd want to make, but he's already starting to turn that around. Yeah, the Philly fans started booing him early on in the season because, well, I don't know why, but Trey Turner's not yet 30 years old. Feels like he should be older than that. He will turn 30 in a few weeks here. He has a career 298 batting average. Uh, he hit 298 exactly last year. He hit 328, 335. 
Did I suddenly think that Trey Turner was a 220 hitter? No, uh, I did not. He is back up to 248. I said, I expect that to climb and get him back to where he usually is. Now, do I think that Trey Turner has the skill set that's going to last forever either? I don't. I think that the steals will start to drop. And by he signed an 11-year deal, I think. I don't think that he's going to continue. I mean, even this year when everybody else is running wild, he has 12 steals, which is actually kind of low with everybody else running wild. So I think Trey Turner is going to put together a lot of good seasons for Philadelphia this season. Maybe he started off so slow that it won't bounce back to the 298s, but I I wouldn't be surprised if Trey Turner doesn't hit 300 again next year. I, I don't think this is a guy who's just suddenly too old. I think he's probably got two, three years of very, very high production left in him at least. Let's talk about the uh, next three that were more surprise signings as far as the amount of money that got through within it. Xander Bogarts, Dansby Swanson, uh, and the international signing uh, with Mashiro Yoshida. So I, I have also crept on Xander Bogarts before on this podcast. Uh, and he's been the worst of those three players. Now, 268 is not bad. It's, it's perfectly fine. But Xander Bogarts is right there in Carlos Correa to me, where I think he's a fine player. I think Xander Bogarts is a perfectly fine player, but Xander Bogarts is the fourth best player on his team, and he is getting $280 million over the next 11 years. And he's just not – he's older than Trey Turner. You know that? Trey, Xander Bogarts feels like he should be younger. He is almost a year older than Trey Turner. So in 10 years, is Xander Bogarts – this one seems like it could age out faster to me. I just don't think he has the bat skills of Trey Turner – I know he doesn't have the glove of Dansby Swanson, who is a phenomenal defender. Dansby Swanson, I I thought that was of the big name con of the big name shortstops. I thought that was the best contract that any of them got. Dansby Swanson is is the youngest of them, I believe. He's just turned twenty nine. It's a uh, last year probably will be the best year of Dansby Swanson's career. Twenty five home runs, the eighteen steals, two seventy seven. I don't know if he'll ever do that again. I. That's when you love that career year <laughs> that you can take all the way to the bank, but. But 20 homers, 85 RBIs, 12 steals, probably hits 260, and he might win another Gold Glove Award because he's a phenomenal defender. That's a really good year, and I think he could do that for two, three more years. So I think Dansby Swanson's contract is great. I thought it was a great signing for the Cubs. Defense gives you another opportunity to uh, expand the value. Uh, of of what you do, and I think that uh, that will definitely help him. You know, Bogarts hasn't been too bad defensively within it, where it might help a little bit. Like his numbers are like, none of his numbers are terrible here, but it's just like not enough to justify like over twenty plus. I don't consider him a twenty plus million dollar player. That's he's fine. He's he's fine, but they have so much money invested in Tatis and Soto and Machado that you're like, couldn't this money be spent better elsewhere? Like, did you really need Xander Bogarts? You realize that they're also one of the worst scoring offenses oh, in the league, too. So oh, yeah, they have all these names and all I'm these players. players. I uh, believe, last I checked, their best player still in war was Haseon Kim because his defense is on, like, otherworldly at second base. So, yeah, I, that's another. We haven't even, we, haven't, we might have to add them to the, the threes for next week because I don't get that team at all. But uh, who was the third one I was supposed to talk about for hitters? We talked about Xander Dansby. Right. Oh, Masataka Yoshida. So, Yoshida, remember, came over in after the Hot World Baseball Classic. We didn't really know what to expect. I, I, the average is going to be there. He's hitting 309. I think the average he's shown is just going to be there. He has 25. We're just talking about Benny P as these young guys who show up and can walk as much as they strike out. He has 28 strikeouts to 25 walks. 
He's an on-base machine. He has 25 extra base hits already, 17 doubles. He takes advantage of what they offer in Boston. Now he's 29 as well as those other guys. So, I don't know, three, four, five years. He'll be 30 in a few months here, or next month, excuse me. I think Yoshida's going to be really good. I think it was the perfect ballpark for him. Yep. Uh, he just made it, it was a, a, the right fit. So I get why some people might not have spent as much on him. I get why Boston did. As much as I gave him grief for, like, the no one saw him as this level of player, you, you see him play, like, okay. Like, for here, for this team within it, you can justify it. It makes sense. He's going to be a good player for them. Uh, and uh, uh, more so than the, the Cubs signing uh, the previous year within it, I hey, like I like this one more as, as a better fit. Uh, we'll talk catcher briefly just in that. Uh, Wilson Contreras uh, from getting kicked out of the catcher position for a while within it. Five-year, $87 million contract. Uh, it was looked at like, why would you do that at the beginning? Uh, even more so as it's gone on. Uh, and I, I don't see that contract. I see it improving, but I don't see it improving enough to not make it a uh, one of the worst contract signings of the offseason. We said here, talked about in our free agent predictions, it's just hard to find a spot for Wilson Contreras. I remember sitting here and we said, it's when you St. see Louis, him as a DH in two year time, yep, it's St. Louis. It's it was Houston. Like they, we could see him going there. St. Louis signed him. They knew that you had to know that Wilson Contreras was a bad defensive catcher. They had to know that. You saw I, him in division. You watched him the most of any. You watched like, him I don't get, get it. Out of the outfield, like they would move him to the outfield, and then. Remember they for a few days they said, well, this is this is the problem. He's he's no longer a catcher. He's a DH. And then like a week later they moved him back to catcher because they just have no plan at all there. But the offense it's it's still there. Right? He has eight home runs. He has twenty eight home run eight home runs, twenty eight RBIs. He has five steals. Now he's hitting two hundred four, which is like a career worst. It, it'll probably come up. I think it'll come up. I don't think he's a suddenly a two hundred hitter. But it, it's a bad contract. He's a he's the oldest of all these guys. He's thirty one. It's not going to age well. Catchers don't age well. So, if you're already having concerns at age 31, yeah. do you think that's going to there's going to be less concerns at age 33, 34? Uh, so I, that one is about as what you'd expect. Uh, let's give a nod to a different old guy uh, that uh, has uh, earned his keep and then some so far. JD Martinez uh, to the Dodgers, one year, ten million dollar contract. Uh, he has been one of the consistent forces in that offense. JD Martinez leads the National League in slugging. That is. Something I did not expect to say. Now, talk about older guys. J.D. Martinez, 35. Now, he's already had a better 54 games than he had all last season with Boston. He has tied his home run total from last year with 16. He has 48 RBIs. He's hitting only 257, but a 300 on base for Sargent, and I said a 590 slug. He's been great. He's been a stabilizing force in the Dodgers' uh, offense, which is not something I expected to say. Uh, Muncy got hurt. Muncy has been frigidly cold after a hot start. And so, J.D. Martinez... As a 35-year-old, you just didn't know what to expect, but this is a, it's an incredible bat. Like a former All-Star many times over, and I don't think he'll probably make it again this year. I don't know if he'll keep up this pace, which would be nearly another 30 homer, 100 RBI season, which we haven't seen since 2019 out of him. But it's certainly a bounce back, and J.D. Martinez is a is a stud. <laughs> we'll give an honorable mention to uh, Cody Bellinger, who's uh, been healthy and performing for, uh, for the Cubs. Uh, as we uh, make our way to the uh, pitchers, we're going to start with injuries. That's always a concern with uh, with pitchers. Uh, and two of the biggest contracts uh, that were signed in the offseason, uh, unfortunately, went as well as you would expect. If you say one plus one equals two, uh, the idea of signing an, injured, uh, an injury-prone pitcher leading to more injuries, 
uh, is the logical conclusion, but that didn't stop uh, the Rangers from signing Jacob DeGrom, nor the Yankees from signing Carlos Rodon. We talked about DeGrom a few weeks ago. If you want to hear the whole talk, go back and listen to that. But I hope that I'm wrong. I hope that he has, I guess it would be three more years with the Rangers. He signed a five-year deal. We won't see him this year. I don't think we'll probably see him next year. I hope the next three years he he has a Justin Verlander-like end to his career and wins a couple wins another Cy Young award. I just don't trust it at all at this point. His arm is too fragile. Justin Verlander before that was fine. I don't trust Jacob DeGrom. Look, as far as Carl Strodan goes, We've sat here before and talked about we have concerns about Carl Strodon's health. We have concerns about Carl Strodon's health. It was the shoulder. The last one two years year deal, healthy. no problem. Yep. I would not, but would not do a, a five year contract or six year contract it's with a. Here's the thing: it hasn't been his shoulder this year. It's his back, which is a whole new thing with him. When Carlos Strodon pitches, he is arguably one of the best five pitchers on this planet. Like he is and he might shut us up in the second half of this year. Yep, we're supposed uh, he's, to see him. Stay, he's supposed to start his rehab assignment Tuesday. Once again, I hope I'm wrong. I would love to see Carlos Jordan pitch and for the second half of the year put up 100 innings of his mid-2s ERA. But I don't trust it. He's also going from San Francisco, which is an amazing hit pitcher's park, to uh, the extremely small ballpark that is in New York and is a much better offense against him with Boston, Tampa Bay. I I hope he's good. I It's a huge contract for a guy who it's has... It's a $147 million risk for a guy that... Uh, had injury issues, and then wondering how he was going to switch years, from San right. Francisco to here. Two years. 170 innings with San Francisco, a 288 ERA, 132 innings his last year in Chicago with a 237 ERA. Before that, he had mm, roughly, I don't know, four. I can do this. I can do this. I'm here. Hold on. He had, before that, he had 536 innings of a mid-fours ERA with the White Sox. So you're, it's a big bank on two years. I think when he pitches, he's going to be good, but – I don't know. <laughs> let's talk. Uh, let's stay in New York and talk about uh, two other uh, very large signings: Justin Verlander and uh, Kodai Senga. Uh, and I guess because it might as well throw in Tyon uh, Walker too uh, as part of that process within it. Uh, All these things are revolve around the Mets some way or, or another. Either they signed with the Mets, they left the Mets. Uh, Justin Verlander. It's been a disappointment coming over after winning the Cy Young Award, right? He led the American League in wins and ERA last year, and he has a 45 innings. He has a 4-4 ERA and a 4-43 FIP to back it up. I I don't know. I doubted Justin Verlander last year, and I was wrong. But 40-year-old pitchers, at some point, they're just 40-year-old pitchers. And Justin Verlander is a Hall of Fame pitcher. Absolutely, 100% a Hall of Famer. He deserves every minute of that. But these guys get old, too, and it would appear that Maybe Justin Verlander is just a fine pitcher. He is not the Justin Verlander who's won four Cy Young Awards, three Cy Young Awards. I don't know how many. A lot. But I think he might just be getting older. Kode Senga, it's a, it's quite the skill set. When he is on and he is throwing strikes, he is really good. I, but he has these games, I've watched multiple Kode Senga starts this year, where he cannot hit the plate to save his life. Today it looks like he pitched and he walked. No, he Excuse me, this was a couple days ago. I know he pitched today. He walked a couple days ago, we walked four. The day before that, he walked five. The day before that, he walked zero. Seven innings, no walks, nine strikeouts against the Phillies. But four and I two think thirds, it's just going to be a year before we see what he's fully capable of. At least I hope. Uh, with because the control issues were never an issue overseas. Uh, like this, this this is this is different. I'm trying to see what he did pitch today. Where are the stupid Mets? The Mets. Kode Senga today against St. Louis. 
Six and two-thirds, four earned. He only walked one, eight strikeouts. There's a two-home run game. That's not typically what we see. But, yeah, I think I think there's the talents there. This is one of the rookie pitchers. It's an adjustment period, right? He is learning an entirely new language in an entirely new city on planet Earth. And I said it, it, this is going to be an up-and-down year. But over the next five years, they signed into a five-year contract. I think I think you'll, they'll probably get their money's worth out of that one. I, I think Cody Sang will be okay. Of all the ones we mentioned, I think that's the one that by year four or five, I actually feel somewhat confident. I, you never feel confident in any pitcher at a five-year deal within it, but of the ones mentioned within it, yeah, I think his the last one or two years of his deal, uh, could he still be producing positive value? Absolutely. Taiwan Walker is Taiwan Walker. Going to the Mets is, or going to the Phillies from the Mets. He's seven and three. He has a mid-fours ERA. It's a perfectly fine number three, number four pitcher. You were talking about Tyler Wells earlier. I think Taiwan Walker is right in there, and he's just been a better position with Philly because they do have Aaron Ola and Zach Wheeler. So, yeah, I, five, Taiwan Walker, I guess I don't have a whole lot of – they gave him a pretty good, I think, five years, $75 million or four years, $70 million scholar contract. It's a little high, but that's the going right for a starting pitcher nowadays. So Would have loved to have seen both uh, uh, Diaz brothers and uh, in the, in the all-star game. Uh, within it, that would have been a fun story. Unfortunately, fluke injuries uh, happening, and I don't, I don't say you can ever justify spending a hundred million dollars on any relief pitcher. But uh, Edwin Diaz is uh, best relief pitcher on the planet, and uh, I would still t- pick him as the number one overall closer uh, next year, uh, coming back healthy that way. Yeah, and here's the thing: if they didn't give him that contract, I don't. I'm not. It's not hard for me to envision someone else giving him that contract. I don't. At think least they, pretty close. I don't think they really overpaid for him. Like I know it was the biggest contract. He would have gotten at least eighty. Oh, like, yeah, like, so you're talking about not that you're talking about one Brandon Nimmo season. Like at some point, like that's worth it to keep the guy that you know is is your shutdown reliever. Yeah, yeah, he's he's the best closer in the game when he's healthy. I still better than Josh Hader, who's probably second, but I would still take Edwin Diaz. Because every now and then you Plus get the I hater meltdown. Yep, uh, Manuel right up there too. I forgot about him, but those are the best three, and and you got to pay him. So, yep, you do what you can, and it just sucks that he got hurt celebrating a win. And yeah, you can do about it. You just keep moving on. That's the Mets. Uh, so uh, so far, Walker probably been the most like about what you'd expect. Maybe saying it, maybe not what you expected, but you're still getting value out of it. The rest of it not, hasn't been good. Complete uh, for Jacob DeGrom and Carlos Rodon and Justin Verlander. I mean, he missed time, too, with an injury. But, look, Justin Verlander, I said, he's 40 years old. Like It's, it's going to happen. David Ortiz isn't still playing. Nelson Cruz is not Nelson Cruz with a few years ago. At some point, your body just can't be their body anymore. And not worth putting that much money into a 40-year-old pitcher. Uh, but the one that has been uh, worked out very well, best bang for buck signing uh, from a pitcher standpoint within it is uh, uh, Nathan Eovaldi, uh, Texas again. Uh, they have nailed the last two off-seasons uh, for that is why their uh, record is what it is uh, as part of that process uh, within it. Uh, Eovaldi's looking like uh, an all-star. We covered Eovaldi a few weeks ago, and he just keeps pitching well. He's up to 9-3 and three with a 259 ERA. He struck out. Uh, nine the other day gave up three earned runs. I unfortunately, took the loss, but he's he's on a roll. Evaldi, we can mention Zach Eflin here again. Eflin has been we kind of I don't know, say doubted the signing. I didn't understand the signing for the amount of money they gave him. I would say I figured that they knew something that I didn't know. And Eflin's been a stud. He he took the loss today, but it wasn't because he pitched poorly. Absolutely not. He pitched very well again, and so I Eflin's been great. Uh, shout out to who else? Got shout out here. How about? How about Michael Waka? That one, I don't know if we even never talked about. Michael Waka has been low-key awesome for the Padres, which I definitely did not expect to happen, but 
Uh, Michael Walker's been one of the better Padres, better pitchers, which that's weird with the, what the pitchers they have, but 74 innings, a 289 ERA. He just throws – what he does, he just throws the changeup. Nobody can hit it. He just throws the changeup over and over again, and every so often he'll throw his fastball up there. But he 100% pitches backwards now, and this is the best Michael Walker maybe we've ever seen. He has the 345th, which is the lowest he's had since 2014. That is a decade ago. Cat's losing it. And uh, I think with that, uh, we have cats climbing the walls uh, on it, uh, telling us that it's time to wrap it up. So uh, that is our uh, uh, quarter of the way through the season, just looking at the top signings. What have uh, teams' evaluations of those signings so far? A lot of, I think, the summary's incomplete, right? Uh, and uh, guys, you expect it, uh, to write ship. Other signings, like, yeah, this was a question when he signed it. Even more of a question now. Uh, and yet there are still some, uh, some deals to be found. And, and I'll give this credit. We always complain on big market teams, always just spending over everybody within it, right? Uh, best signings of the offseason, $10 bucks to J.D. Martinez. How much was it for Nate Evaldi? $24 million, I believe, for two years. So $12 yeah, the, million the Rays even spent more money on a free agent pitcher than that. So uh, even teams that have spent over half a billion dollars on players within it, best signings, come from the smaller signings too with it, and them being strategic and smart within it. So uh, you don't always have to spend money to get good players. You just have to be smart about what, what you do within it. So Brewers, make sure you check that out. We'll take a look at the trade deadline uh, next week. Get about the curveball, Rick.